April 25th was a day we won't soon forget. It was a day the world collapsed around us as the nation of Nepal suffered its worst earthquake in 80 years. Go, 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 Tim, go! Oh, oh that's an aftershock. The death and tragedy was before our eyes, and it seemed like no one was spared from the hardship. Now what lay ahead of us was the aftermath of one of the world's largest natural disasters. Wow, I mean, this is total devastation. The whole square is gone. of a temple that was toppled and it got looks like five five bodies that are just kind of laid out with white towels like over them pretty rough because a lot of people like grooving and stuff this is raw i mean this just happened yesterday so this is very fresh people are very much in shock and they're kind of looking and seeing behind them they're kind of seeing if it is their loved one if you know, if it came from their house or where it came from. I mean, a big thing with the Hindu religion is they're going to want to cremate very soon, as quick as they can. So that's going to be happening to their beliefs. This is shocking. The bodies just keep coming in. Families are grieving. But this is really the reality of, of the major disaster like this. Look at how full this is. This is all the grounds where everybody's coming to. And yesterday, it was somewhat full after the first big earthquake, but now everybody is coming here. They're all coming into the place. They're all trying to get in touch with their loved ones. Look, all the way around, everybody here is sleeping in here. They all have their tents set up. It's just tents everywhere. 
This is Dahara Tower, and we heard that there could have been up to 180 people that were killed when this collapsed. And if you swing around, you can see all the rubble patches behind us. And that is basically just like the, the sheer bricks and force coming down off the total collapse here. Amazing right there. I mean, this whole area, look at all this on this side too, got completely ripped apart. Oh, wow. And this whole area got completely leveled up here. I didn't think it was this bad. This is in the top of Monkey Temple. And this is actually really quite staggering. This is one of the things we heard was really badly damaged. And it's very, it's kind of unstable right now. It's pretty dangerous actually being up here. But if you just look, take a 360 here. One of the pillars here that crushed down. Behind me, a massive pillar. And that one down, just crushing that area. And then over on this side, other parts of the, uh, the temple just, you know, falling apart, broken, just smashed. I mean. This is incredible. Very eerie feeling up here. Usually this is all packed with, you know, tourists and pilgrims and people kind of going through here, but I mean, now it's just completely laid bare here. The monkeys are rummaging around in the rubble. There's dogs just like growling and barking and stuff. And this is your room right here. You sleep in here. Yeah. Oh really? So all this was coming when you when you come out immediately, and then you come and wake here. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. Yeah. You have to be careful even now. What do you do when there's aftershocks? Do you run? Yeah. You have to, whenever there's anything now, you have to get away from this or this. Yeah. Yeah. I know. What you're seeing in the aftermath of the earthquake is you're seeing animals acting very, very weird. And usually before tremors, you'll see like crows flying off of the trees, dogs come running closer to humans. You're just seeing a lot of odd behavior. Everybody's tense, even the animals are tense. Like dogs were barking at people yesterday. Uh, and, and one thing that you kind of get is you get this sense of almost vertigo. Do you feel it? See, I feel it there. No, I don't think so. Yeah, you, so you just felt another one? And we've been talking to everybody else too, and they have a similar sensation where they feel like they feel the, the ground is moving and an earthquake is happening. So all of a sudden you'll see like, you know, uh, people like kind of a jump or, or flinch or fall over and hit their heads. I do it from time to time too, where I'm just like, did you just feel that? Did you just feel that? You know, we're, we're constantly asking each other like it's about to start again. There's something. It's, I don't know. And another scary part is we've also been hearing people tell us that there's another earthquake coming today at midday around 1 p.m., which is strange because we didn't think that's possible that you can predict earthquakes like that.
up here. You can see all the birds flying around. It's weird, just in this stupid alleyway right here. That's a massive aftershock we just hit. You can still feel it going. You feel it? Yeah. This isn't bad. This is dope. That was big. That was the second biggest one we've had. Look at everybody marching down the streets. we got to stay away from the crowds. We don't want these crowds to come up on us. This whole place is like crumbling around us right now. So the problem is you don't trust any of these buildings now. One of the guys said earlier, he's like, they're expecting another earthquake at one o'clock. I don't even know how that's possible. What the time it is. the worst possible news for Nepal. Another massive earthquake has rocked the country. A major new aftershock, magnitude 6.7. Today's big aftershock creating a new round of panic in this ancient city, parts of which are now leveled. Another massive earthquake rocks Nepal overnight, causing more death and destruction, new trauma in that already devastated country. trying to leave mass exit is still out of the city. It's still a uh, prevailing sense of complete fear. A lot of people are saying, you know, because there's so many bodies under the rubble, they don't want to get any kind of diseases or anything like that. And that's kind of the main thing we've kind of heard over and over and over. There's like 50 buses that were donated today just to get people out of the city to Pokhara to, to safer places that haven't really been as uh, badly hit as Kathmandu. Everybody is doing this mass exodus out of Octoport. People are gathering together their things. They're taking whatever they can recover from their down homes, and they're walking it on out of this district. We heard that this is the first day where they've actually had access, where the roads have been somewhat cleared, even just for walking, in order to get out of Octoport. And there's just this prevailing fear, too, where everybody's hearing. They're saying, there's another big quake coming. There's another big quake coming. That's what everybody seems to say to us. So there is still that nervous tension, and especially in here, any sort of quake in here, and more buildings are gonna topple. So it's a very, very dangerous district, probably the most hard-hit district in all of Kathmandu. I can't believe this high one stayed standing. Tilted all in. But all of these alleyways are super dangerous to be walking through, especially with all of the, the tremors that we've been getting. This is what you come across sometimes. Wow. It's like a stack of bricks just hanging right above on a power line. We've walked back through this alley two, three times and never saw it, but it literally is just hanging right above. Look at this. You literally run through there. Yeah, they're doing a lot of uh, big recovery there. They've got a Chinese search and rescue team kind of leading it, and then they got the Nepalese uh, police. Yes. Yes. 
with Sketchy. He's like, you'd look right above where everybody was working. One guy was kind of banging out this rock, and they're just like, all right, calm down, stop, 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 because, you know, above you, you've got a very unstable building. You really don't know about your surroundings at all. It's one thing, and especially these old towns are very, very sketchy for that, too. So you really like to kind of move and move as quick as you can, really. And the whole thing come down. Where was where was he when it happened? Where were you? Were you, the cow you were just sitting over there. Oh, just sitting in here. Oh yeah. He was sitting way back up here in like his room area. And then you immediately come out. You know, one of the things we've been noticing here is all the people that we kind of pass is they, you know, they see us and they see that we're documented as well, too, and they want to let you know what, what happened as well, too. They'll say, my family was here, or my, this is my brother's home, or this is my home here, and they'll tell you and they'll point out where it was. And you'll even see family members coming back and kind of taking pictures of their own home. Everybody that we've, we've heard has the same prevailing sort of thing. They want to let you know what happened, uh, you know, first shake, or was it the second shake? And everybody went through the same thing here. And now they're just in kind of like the recovery and cleanup process. And you know, in, in particular for us, after seeing this, we want to help and make a difference in any way possible. So in the days ahead, this is going to be our focus. And we know that God's going to open up the doors of ministry. After the second major aftershock, the city was in chaos. People were emptying out of the congested districts and setting up makeshift shelters in any open area. The first round of foreign aid had not yet made it out of the airport, and people were becoming more desperate by the hour. We'd seen the suffering, and we'd seen the pain, and now we realized we are in a unique position to help those who could not help themselves. It took us a few calls to track down one of our local contacts. Then we met up with a local evangelist named Milan. Milan brought together a few of his family members and some church elders. And just like that, we are a crew ready to go out and make a difference in this disaster. Next hospital is this guy gone. Where's this one? Kathmandu Razmark. Okay, wow. So basically what we're doing today is we hooked up with Milan and his team. I think 15. Okay. Okay. 25 kgs. 25. And we're here at the Food Depot warehouse. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be picking up all the foodstuffs from rice, doll, cooking oil, and the basic necessities. Is that like doll? Yeah, doll. That's doll. Okay. To bring out to these village areas that we've targeted, and in these village areas, uh, people are living outside in tents. They're too afraid to go back into their homes because the homes are now unsafe. They're cracked, and basically a lot of them are destroyed. And we're going to be bringing out food aid around all the districts in Kathmandu and being able to help the people who are in a desperate need right now. Milan's going to show us basically the tents up here of, uh, of like a 30 plus people who are staying out here. And this is, you know, one of the desperate situations is you're going to find people who are basically homeless now. Oh, wow. Yeah. In this small little home, I mean, it's not even big enough just to even crawl in there. And like 30, 30 people plus will be staying in here. She's also the believer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
They are staying, she is telling that they are staying four families here, combinedly. Four families. Four families all together. And where do they get their food now? Where do they get food? Everybody's really living in terror because the homes are all fractured inside and people are living out in camps. And I mean, it's basically equal to like, you know, refugee camps or IDP camps that you would see in, you know, Central Africa or places like that. I mean, it's a pretty desperate situation that, you know, it can be helped. <laughs> All right, so we're just bringing the food back right now to, uh, to the village, and what they're doing is they're basically unloading all the rice, and they're going to distribute it from Milan's small home here, where all the tents are around. So as it's evening time here, it's the last bits of giving away all the food aid that we brought, and it's basically for all the small families that we went around and visited today in the tents and everything like that. And when you come through like disasters like this, and you know us actually going through it as well too, it's like you're looking for like where's the hope because you've seen the death, the destruction, everything like that. So this is like tip of the sword, going in there and giving it to the people who need it right now, so they're not desperate or hungry or starving in the meantime. So it's a really blessing just giving the last bits of the aid out here, and you know this is what you do when you when you come here for it. This is you know, why you know you went through everything that you went through that you can help and that you can make a difference, and this is you know, making that difference. So we're back on the streets again today and uh, doing another day of distribution in the region here. We're going to be going out and uh, giving more food and uh, right now they're just loading everything up. Four more. This is just on the outskirts of Kathmandu. These are kind of like people that are farming and very, very poor and they're really struggling quite bad. And God sent his son into the world to pay the price for all of men's sins, that this body is healed in the name of Jesus. And Jesus says this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he says, if you have cares or worries, cast your cares and worries upon me. Give all your burdens unto God. These villages are totally devastated up here, way up in the hills. I mean, this is just like a pile of rubble I have ever seen. These roads are so bad, you can really see why there's no aid that's made it up into the mountains here yet. Making it up this hill is really tough. One of the SUVs didn't make it, now we just have two trucks and another SUV. And ours is struggling pretty bad right now. been just a brutal journey into the mountains but now we're here and we're just unloading everything we 
got blankets, waters, tarps, food, medicine. And this is the first aid that's even gotten to this village. And this is the same story repeated in this vast mountainous region. I mean, these people have lost all their homes and they've gotten no assistance. And we're coming up about eight days after the earthquake. But with how close this was to the epicenter, you can really just see the total devastation in this village. I mean, this is completely flattened. Everything is, every home up here is completely flattened. Wow. That's amazing. My village finished. Your village is finished. Finished. Everything just left in a heap. Nothing left. You see a little bit of a rooftop sometimes. They said 32 out of 34 uh, were destroyed. I mean, this is pretty shocking. And this is the one thing that you see in this earthquake disaster is no one really has a fully accurate count of the death toll in villages like this, how much actual destruction, because a lot of the, the search and rescue, a lot of the, the government officials haven't even made it to some of these. And uh, yeah, this one was really, really hit hard. What's happening ahead is there's a mourning ceremony because one of the persons wasn't able to make it out of the home. You said it was the mother of a family here? Yeah. Yeah. And so they're mourning uh, the loss. So even deep here in the villages, even though the structures might not seem that really big, but they still collapse and kill people as well out here. How old was she? 82. 82. 82. You know, after helping for over a week now and running aid missions, you get to see the hardest hit areas and, and the absolute tragedy. But in the end, this is where, you know, where your faith is tested. And you have to trust that the Lord is going to bring better days ahead. And this is the hope we believe in, and this is what we trust in. Are you all right? 
Allah will get you out. He was digging out a man who was trapped. And he came out and everybody in the crowd was cheering. And over the days, we started to see more and more people be happy just to be alive. And they started to say, this is our alive day. They said, ever since the earthquake, it's like we've had a new life. And I thought about that in my mind. It's true, it is a alive day. But I also know this, I said, my alive day is when I accepted Jesus into my life. Because I know that no matter what happens to me on this earth, I am alive forevermore in Him. In Jeremiah 31.17, it says, There is hope for your future, declares the Lord, and your children will return to their own territory. Hallelujah. In the same way, where you have been displaced out of your homes and you have to sleep outside, you might not have work now because all the jobs have been shut down. But know this, there's hope for your future. Because God cares for you. And he says in his word, though I am with you, I will not forsake you. And he's with us until the end. This is a light that you have inside of you. And this is a light that God wants you to bring all around to the people around you now. And people are searching for a true hope and a true light. They want freedom. And now it is our job as a church to go bring that freedom. To do good to those who are suffering. To help those who are in despair. To be a light. Because the light shines brightest in the darkness. And even though these are dark times in Nepal, the light of Jesus will shine brightly. Amen. We believe it. Hallelujah. If you would like to receive a DVD of the episodes you've just seen, please go to TravelTheRoad.com or call 1-866-EXPLORE. Our mission at Travel the Road is to preach the gospel to all creation and encourage the church to be active in the Great Commission. 
The episodes we produce are with the sole aim to make an internal difference and to inspire a new generation for missions. To find out more about the ministry of Travel the Road or to order from our catalog of DVDs, please visit us at TravelTheRoad.com and together we can make a difference.